Hello, everyone. Coming to you from Phoenix, Arizona. You are listening to Work Life 360. This podcast is all about helping one another navigate through the noise and the clutter that's holding us back from our potential to be a healthier, successful community. Our mental, physical, spiritual, and social habits are certainly work life related. We'll explore how creating an awareness of our thoughts and behaviors can empower and inspire us to accomplish almost anything we direct our attention to. Let's dive deep into the dirt and examine what research, resources, and real-life success stories from everyday folks can teach us as we grow through the day-to-day challenges. Let's get started. Uh-huh. I if I went out with my friends too late, but at the end of the day, I'm very regimented in my sleeping. That is awesome. So, so we're having such an important conversation, Matt, and I did not hit the record so welcome everybody <laughs> we're just diving in so matt i'm gonna let you take the floor here but we were just talking about daylight savings as we were navigating the different time zone issues and and what have you and and talking about how sleep really does impact our mental and physical well-being one of the podcasts bruce and i focused on this um, and how science and research really is showing that that change in that one hour really does not benefit our health and well-being. And there's plenty of stats, which you can go back and listen to the episode. But Matt, <laughs> go ahead, share what your perspective was about that. And then and then obviously introduce yourself to the audience. So Absolutely. So <laughs> Matt Perkins, um, I, I work in the transportation industry, uh, companies, business, business logistics. Um, and you know, I've been I, I got brought in on to your podcast through your former co-host Bruce and my relationship with him. Um, he helps me and my sales team. Awesome. But when I started listening to the podcast, uh, when I learned you had one, it, just the topics you talk about, I, I find it so important. Uh, just from an all-around, you know, the, the mental health, and like we're, right now we're talking about sleep, right? Mm-hmm. And with our industry, as you know, we are in a very high-stress, fast-paced, ever-changing, mm-hmm. ever-evolving, sometimes slightly unprofessional industry that really can drive people nuts. Mm. And it really resonated with me, like, you know, uh, what you speak about in your topics, because when I was an employee at a mm-hmm. former brokerage, I actually had a teammate ask me once, how I can keep my cool when the world is on fire all around me and how I just don't flip a desk. Mm -hmm. And I just simply told her, if I allow everything to bother me, you're going to wheel me out in a Mm straitjacket and I'm going to look like Hannibal Lecter in the movie and away I go. Um, You know, so that, that was like the, and that's even well before mental health was really on the scene and Mm -hmm. a a topic of such discussion. Mm -hmm. Um, This was, you know, this is going back 15 years ago. So it's always been kind of important to me and that really Mm -hmm. resonated, that discussion, the fact that she was allowing everything to bother her. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, how do I regulate myself? Mm -hmm. How do I keep my calm? I've been doing this for 23 years. You know, how have I not lost my mind? So I thought it was important to maybe get on here from a perspective of, you know, I'm not educated in the sense that you are, but I'm living it and maybe it can help people in everything that's going on in our world. Well, it sounds like you have, you had a great deal of self-awareness 
And then maybe throughout your journey, whether it was through your childhood or different partnerships or coaches or people that you've had as mentors, you kind of learned how to regulate your emotions. And I don't think, my background is in education. And I can say I've taught, I started at the high school level. I worked with at-risk children. And then I made my way to the collegiate level where I was teaching health and wellness. And even in that space, Matt, there was not a lot of conversation about emotional regulation or even body awareness so that we maybe you can understand and start to recognize those somatic experiences or like different changes in our heart rate or anxiety or, you know, all those physical symptoms that come up that eventually impact the way we respond and we react as a way just to keep ourselves safe. So it's very biological and I mean even in science class I don't hopefully things have changed it's been been probably 10 years since I've been in that space but we weren't teaching our kids this and if we're not taught this in school I mean I think the world has changed now because of technology and our ability to learn more things you and I are of the same age demographic I'm, I'm assuming like there were no computers back then you know and how are you supposed to learn this stuff and our parents weren't certainly weren't taught this but I think, um, you know, as you alluded to, part of the reason this podcast came about was being in this space and seeing the stress when COVID happened and people were not able to emotionally regulate themselves. There was a lot of anxiety and we were already in a, a heightened state of anxiety um, just in, in the transportation industry to begin with because of the, all the stress on, and uncertainty, which really I think is at the heart of how well we show up healthy for the long haul yeah so anyway <laughs> sleep you know it's a big a big part of that so and that's something i've i adopted along I mean, many years ago so i read you know some simple studies on the effects of sleeping off your circadian sleep rhythms a lot of people don't pay attention to that. You know, they figure Friday night is bar night and they go out. And I was a victim of that too in my 20s. Um, you know, when you're up to two in the morning, but you woke up at six in the morning for work and then you sleep in because you have to sleep off whatever you did the night before, you've thrown your body into this crazy state of condition that doesn't know how to recover itself. And if you do it again Saturday night and a Sunday, and then you crash on a Sunday into Monday, you wonder why you've got the Monday blues, right? The mm -hmm. Monday blues are simply because you've thrown your body into this crazy pattern it doesn't know. Mm -hmm. And now here you are sluggish on the first day back to work and you're gonna waste, tw you know, what, 20% of your work week mm -hmm. because of all the damage you did not keeping your sleep patterns the same. And it's, you know, it'll take you time to write it, write that ship, but you've only got a few more days before you decide to restart again. And it's just, it throws your body into turmoil. Yeah. yeah, it would be interesting for folks to teach um, their kids or their teams how best to be their own experiment and notice. Notice when their sleep hygiene habits are interrupted, how they feel mentally, physically, their energy levels, and pay attention to those signs. And then I think as we become informed by the data, which is not going to lie, and we can take a breath and step back and look at, at the way we're living and our lifestyle and when we're, you know, maybe prioritizing other things over our health and well-being, whatever, you know, topic of health you want to talk about, when you become your own experiment and notice, oh, can I really, really function 
at a high level with four hours sleep? Okay, is it really worth how, excuse my language, shitty I feel today? Or the mistakes that I'm making? And like, and then people are noticing it. Maybe I'm um, more irritated and I don't have as much patience. But I think to, um, again, going back to a lot of our younger population entering this space, you know, their prefrontal cortex isn't even fully developed yet. And they're not even aware of that. So they may not have the bandwidth to understand why they're emotionally charged, reactive, and maybe they're not resolving conflicts in the most healthy way. But I think you know, the more that we talk and you and I talk and different people come on the podcast talk, the more we start to educate our young population in this space, I think the more uh, the light bulb's going to come on and they're going to start to pay attention to their health and well-being and they're going to be more successful, um, just more happy, more healthy, and, and then learn not to skip sleep. And if they do, being aware of what cost that comes with and then maybe setting some boundaries where they're able to maybe um, take some time to reset so that they don't burn out and become stressed out. That's that's important too. And I think it's important for managers, owners, supervisors, whatever level to observe those and see what's mm-hmm. going on and you know try to help where possible. Um, I'm, I have seen it personally inside my own office, you know, and I try to work with everybody so that they understand. And I give them mm-hmm. examples of what I'm doing to help regulate mm-hmm. it because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I'm, I'm really no different. I've been doing it long. It doesn't really mm-hmm. make me that different. It makes me experienced, but I'm easily capable of experiencing the same exact scenario. It's just how do we come out of the other side of it is what's important. And you know, how do we recover from it and just keep that right frame of mind? When did you notice that you really started to pay attention to health? And what does health mean to you? Because that can be very different for different people at different stages in their life. I think it's important to express the fact that we need to be kind to ourselves and understand that we are not going to get it right all the time. Um, we're going to sacrifice some areas of our well-being. But I think, again, just kind of pointing out for folks when you started to notice, hmm, something's off, and then you started to prioritize your health. So for me, I'm more of a physical person, per se. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I've been having this talk just a few, within the last couple of days, actually, coincidentally, but once upon a time, I went somewhere between 270 and 280 pounds. Mm-hmm. I forgot what that number was. I never documented it all I know is I was big Mm. and you know you look in the mirror and I had pretty good self-esteem so my body image of myself wasn't it was distorted because I still thought I looked really good Mm. (laughs) but the scale said you know scale is telling me a different number and Mm. I started feeling different yeah so what really got me though was you know my son had just first been born I I think this was before my daughter born and you know he was getting rambunctious he wants to play and dad wanted to sit on the couch and watch TV. You know, I already put in a good long day, you know, freight brokering and like, I just want to rest. So there was that. There's, there's, you know, my child wants to play. I don't want to. There's, you know, the threat of uh, diabetes. If you just keep going down a path, you're going to develop health problems. I think I was developing sleep apnea because I was not sleeping well. So that was my rock bottom. Finally, I said, enough's enough. No. And the thing I said to myself internally was, I'm going to change my body and I'm going to fix, you know, I'm going to adjust 
before my body tells me what I can eat. So mm -hmm. I'm gonna adjust what I eat so that I don't have to eat a certain way to live. Mm -hmm. And that that was it. So I went on this journey and you know it's it's had its ups and downs, not dramatic. I mean once I dropped some weight I, I went, you know, down and I've I fluctuated here and there. You know, today I can probably literally today yesterday was the first day I stepped on a scale under two hundred pounds. Oh, yeah. congratulations. <laughs> it was, well, I mean, it's been a big feat. So when you say that to me, like, and I'm in the fitness and wellness business, we set these goals in life. And then we think once we reach the goal, we can take our foot off the gas and like relax and coast. And then life happens. And then we're not even aware that we start to go back to some habits that were most likely not the most helpful. And I can say that in my own life, uh, when I'm working a lot and projects are coming up and I'm really focused on something other than my health, I start to sacrifice it. Maybe I'll stay up too late. I won't hydrate as much. Or I'll eat processed foods. And then I know how that makes me feel. But, you know, that's life that's going to happen. But I think the more cognizant that we're aware of how our behaviors, our health behaviors impact us, not today, but tomorrow, the next day, hereafter. You know, when we start to think that way about our health, I think that will help us think more long-term in terms of lifestyle behavior habits and prevention versus waiting until we step on the scale or the doctor give us his reading, oh, you're pre-diabetic, you know, what's going on? Or, or you're not sleeping or maybe your spouse is indicating to you that you're waking up often. Like there are lots of signs there, but sometimes we put them aside because we're so busy with our to-do list and what's next. And in today's world, that's really, really hard because there's so many responsibilities and distractions out there that as a species, we didn't face even a hundred years ago. So it's just being compassionate, but then being realistic too. And, and then acknowledging when you screw up and not making excuses and then, and then, um, adjust accordingly. <laughs> you know, and I'll say also on almost, it's almost the flip side, but it's the same, it comes to the same conclusion. It's everyone wants to start tomorrow, hmm. but then when they do decide to take that step and if it doesn't change them in that instant, you know, we've become a society of instant gratification. Mm -hmm. You know, drone. You know, we're we're on the verge of having a drone deliver your goods, right? When you buy something on the internet, and not even have to oh, leave the store. Goodness, lazy. You know, We've become very lazy too. Sorry. That's the thing. In fact, I have adjusted my life so much that I take this building that uh, my office is in. There's a parking garage I park in. It's five stories tall. I enter through the third level. That's the ground level here in Tennessee, mm -hmm. and I go down. I park on the lowest level and take the stairs. The stairs are just as fast at my speed as the elevator because I see the same people walking from another parking lot into my parking garage, up the elevator, and I see them in the lobby of the building. <laughs> I would take the stairs up to the 16th floor. I'm on the 16th floor here. I would take the stairs, but building management said that the doors are locked for safety purposes. Okay. Um, they only work if you enter from an upper floor to exit for a fire but mm -hmm. you can't go from the lobby up. But in any event, I park the furthest away from a store. Uh, I don't I don't look for the front spots anymore. You know, also I'm a car guy, so I don't want door dings. But the walking, <laughs> it's all the little extra things. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing, gratification's not gonna come mm -hmm. minute one of your workout. Mm -hmm. You know, you might get your prime delivery in two days, but you're gonna have to put in the work 
but the results are so worth it. And it just, for me, the physical side has really helped me on the mental side. And keep, just keeping everything together, especially with the last, you know, what, two, we're going on two and a half years mm -hmm. of this radical change, you know, it's really helped in that sort of I think, too, again, just looking at our biology, like we were hunters and gatherers, and people talk about this all the time, and I think it's important to acknowledge the fact that when we're sedentary and we're sitting for so long, our body's made up of this energy, and it wants to move. So when you sit and you're stuck in these 90-degree angles all the time, your brain is just not going to function to full capacity. So here at Global Trans, one of the recent wellness challenges that we had our team participate in, which kind of falls in line with the episode that I just did recently with a young lady um, from our team, Dustine. We had a challenge where it was every 90 minutes, you get up for five minutes and you walk or you move your body. And the intention was that way you could be present when you came back to your computer, focused, function in a more healthy way and be mindful during the process. I and mean, we had a lot of success with that. We're running that again. But I think, you know, when we talk physical fitness, sometimes we think we have to put so much time aside to care for our physical well-being. But movement is key. Just as you mentioned, like, I don't know how long I'm curious to find out how long your, your hike, really, <laughs> up the steps is to your office. That's huge. And then back down again, just small increments during the day really add up. And sometimes we think that old programming that we have to be in a gym for an hour and lift heavy weights and run as fast as we can. Actually, the science really shows that as little as two minutes a day, simply performing a squat has so many health benefits to prevention of, like as you mentioned, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, stroke. We're able to sleep better. We're able to regulate our emotions well. And we just allow our body to live in a way where we're more carrying out our day the way we were designed to be. Yeah. No, um... And uh, kind of piggyback on what you, uh, your challenge at Global Trans, uh, what we do here actually, um, our desks, for instance, this desk my computer's on, it's a stand-up desk. I'm standing up right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have not sat in a traditional office chair since I started this company. Mm -hmm. um, I think I had one for a month or so, and then we started experimenting with like yoga balls and just oh, yeah. different versions of those. Uh -huh. Our final settled um, office is, it's a stand-up desk. And mm -hmm. I've got a stool, I call it a Q-tip because it's a weighted, it's a heavy weighted base and then a mushroom seat. At best, I rest on it. My <laughs> legs are never at a 90 degree angle, I make sure of that. And I'll just kind of take a load off for a few minutes and I'm, I'm back standing up. Um, so yeah, and you're saying it's little things. And I, there's actually a, a workout challenge that I try. I was a, an attendee at, with a guest speaker in a fitness space and he told all of us in attendance as a small intimate group but basically working out 30 minutes twice a week working to failure builds you if you're looking for like more muscle definitely mm -hmm. like it will build that muscle quicker than what we have grown up with which is mm -hmm. you're lifting three times a week you're right. running the other days and i have experimented with it and i I do think there's some merit behind it and it's yeah. working out to failure so it's it's it doesn't take as much as people i guess the point of the story it doesn't take mm -hmm. as much as people believe yeah i think that's again 
where it's important to explore what does health mean to you based upon where you are now and whatever goals you have in life. I mean, if you have, like you mentioned, you referenced your kids. When I finished my PhD, so I studied the Native American population here in Arizona and physical activity. That was actually what my dissertation was on. And I published my research. And what I found during my experiment was the key variable that helped motivate this special population here that is, I would say, at the top of the charts for all health risks. Um, It was their children, their relationships. So exercise for them was not about, definitely not about going to a gym. It was taking care of themselves so that they could care and be active with their children and not be a burden on their families. So I think for some people that maybe don't have that motivation to incorporate movement into their life, and I hear this as well, Matt, it usually is someone else that they love, that they care about, that puts the spark in their butts to move. So that in turn kind of tells me they really weren't thinking or caring about the importance of practicing self-care and feeling good about scheduling time for their health um, because we're so we're so focused on everyone else and all our responsibilities that we tend to put ourselves last until we have a health crisis. And with all the people that I've worked with outside of athletics, that's what I'm seeing. I see it on a consistent basis. It's trying to provide a variety of wellness programming to folks that have different health beliefs, that have different needs. Not everybody wants to work to failure, you know? And and some people just, they're not there. But if they wish to, they absolutely can accomplish anything that they want to. So you have to see yourself. You have to see and envision yourself as whatever health looks like and means to you for whatever reason. And sometimes it's those other folks that you don't want to be a burden to and you want to keep up with and and you want to feel good and then still have the energy to show up as your best self at work and take care of all your financial and organizational responsibilities. Yeah, and I I absolutely agree with that. I think... um... Again, we're going back to like public persona and how how we're getting programmed. A lot of people feel health is a six pack, is you know five percent BMI. Yes, I started the journey as being health is playing with my kids. You know, it has blossomed so much more because it has helped me endure years and years of a stressful industry. When it comes to a career, when it comes to starting a company, it has helped me also set a stage for my children to hopefully carry that gauntlet and continue to lead a healthy lifestyle themselves as they mature into adults Mm -hmm. and go down their paths and not hopefully fall victim to the same things that I fell victim to. You know, a husky kid, I, I don't say this out loud, but husky used to be an actual size of clothing that a descriptive term and I was it. So it's, you know, I don't want them to grow up like that. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's setting that, you know, it's setting that example, Mm -hmm. Um, but showing that it doesn't also mean having to be super strict disciplined. If Mm -hmm. if they want to go for ice cream, I can have some ice cream too. Mm -hmm. You know, it's good. It's just fine. You know, but it, you just, you've got to run that balancing act. Mm-hmm. Life will only get busier as yeah. life goes on. I think for me, that's what I've really appreciated seeing in the corporate space. It was only 2017 that I entered this space where it was like, oh, you know what? We're going to just get rid of the Coca-Cola today that you're drinking. 
um, you know, maybe that bottle of wine at the end of the night is not so great. Let's put that away. You know, maybe you should talk to someone about some coping skills for stress management techniques. Maybe you should get up and just stretch your body. Or maybe you should just turn off the news. That, to me, is health. You know, our relationship with ourselves, our relationships with each other, how we're communicating, how we're talking authentically and not judging and blaming or comparing ourselves and it's so hard today because that's not the reality that reality is necessarily showing us every single day absolutely and you know kind of going back on the alcohol comment because that kind of hits home to me i'm currently um doing a program called 75 hard and it's out there on the internet for all to see um i'm doing it for the second time uh around um because I, I decided I wasn't hard enough on my food diet, so I, mm-hmm. I decided to be harder about it. Um, but this time I've got an accountability group. I've got friends that are want to do it with me, so we're all doing it together. But point of the story is I was testing the waters this past summer with alcohol. Um, and I, I've never had a problem with alcohol, but I'm a very social drinker. If I'm on mm-hmm. a golf course with my friends, I'm probably going to have a drink. If I go to dinner with my wife, I'm going to have a drink. But I gave it up this past summer. I haven't had, uh, we're coming up on almost a year, I believe. I didn't write down the date, but we're coming up on about a year. And it's amazing how sharp I feel. Yes. And oh. I've only since, I've only recently realized just how sharp I've mm. become. And, you know, if there's ever, you know, words of encouragement to anybody, um, you know, it's not, it's not there to really help a situation ever. Never known of a situation where alcohol is the helper. <laughs> like you said, put the pop away. Swap it out for a bottle of water. It's all those little things in our environment that just compound. And then when we start removing those compounding components, it opens the mind, really. Yeah, James Clear talks about that in Atomic Habits. That's a great yes. book. Kind of echoing off, off what you had referenced there. I was a single mother, so I never drank. <laughs> Until um, I went to D.C. and I worked at Georgetown Law there, managing their sport and fitness center. So socially, I began experimenting with drinking. Um, Not much because I'm one of those people. I was very cognizant at the time of my physical fitness level. Um, I do a lot of marathons and pretty active and did some fitness videos. So body image and body awareness was always pretty key, sometimes not to the best of my mental health. You know, I definitely participated in some behaviors that were not exactly healthy. But anyway, get back to the alcohol thing. I introduced it again into my life maybe around 2011. You know, I'm in my 40s and I remember people would joke because I didn't know anything about like what drinks were. Give me a double this. I'm like, what's that? (laughs) So it wasn't until um, I moved here to Arizona and my husband and I got together we had a discussion about alcohol and there were some health issues with um, some medications and then some addictions from those medications and and he really opened my eyes to the fact that alcohol or any type of drug really is the same thing but you know because it, it changes your brain it changes um, the way you think, the way you feel, put some of your defenses down. It's a way to self-soothe or cope. And for some people, without paying attention to it, it can become a problem. 
So as a social drinker, I decided, like, if you come to my house, I have a lot of alcohol. I haven't, I haven't drank alcohol in two years. And kind of echoing off what you said, I enjoyed that social interaction, but I can't say I miss it at all. I definitely notice the difference in how I feel. And I was a red wine drinker. So, you know, with the tannins in there and the headaches and what have you. Yeah, I, I missed it. I did miss it. I have to be honest. I missed that sit back, have the glass, you know, the flavor, what have you. But I also noticed, and I wasn't trying to, I lost a couple pounds. I was sleeping better. I was staying more hydrated because obviously alcohol dehydrates you. Right. And, and I also was paying homage to my husband and his ideas of there's not really a difference, Rhonda, between drugs and alcohol. And I had to respect that for him. A drug of choice, there are some that's seen in a different light as toxic or unhealthy behavior. So I, I think because it's legal, right, mm -hmm. and there's bars and clubs and restaurants that serve, that everyone just assumed it's okay, but it's, it's really, it is... It impairs you. Absolutely right. <laughs> so, but I mean, I share that story because... That was really hard for us. I would show him research about wine and how healthy it is. You can find research for whatever it is your opinion is. Yes. I share this story because that was a hard conversation for us. Now I don't even give it a thought, but there was some friction there over that conversation. And it's important, I think, for folks, if you're in a situation where you're having a discussion about habits that maybe aren't healthy in a relationship, whether it's you know, your physical health or just that relationship, because maybe that person has certain feelings about certain behaviors that could be triggers for them or whatever it's important to have those conversations in a trusting way without judging necessarily the behaviors oh, of course i mean that's uh you can never go into a discussion and expect to have any kind of amicable resolution if you go into a judging it's good to be calm and rational mm -hmm. so what are some of the main things that you practice Matt maybe it changes seasonally what have you found are like some of the top habits in your lifestyle that you practice regularly that have made an impact in not only your mental health and your physical health but your energy levels at work because I think that's where people miss out yes talking about movement like actually if you move more you're going to have more energy but when you're sedentary, you have such low energy levels that it's hard to fathom that that really is a thing. Like movement gives you energy. It does. So a funny story when we're talking about moving and energy. If I sit down to watch some TV at night with my wife, I will fall asleep. I'm good for maybe 45 minutes if it's a good show. So I'm trying to wrap up right. Ozarks. I'm a, right. a fan of Ozarks. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. So, but don't spoil anything. I'm, I'm only like halfway <laughs> through that second <laughs> second series, the you know second part now. But I know that's a big thing, right? So motion. Or we're talking about sleep. So let's start there. Sleep was, is my routine. I, you know, it sounds boring, but tonight I'm going to dinner with my son and his soccer mate, who it's his birthday today, and his father, who I'm friends with. So the four of us are going to go have dinner, a little guy's night out. I'll be home and in bed by like 10, 11 o'clock after I go for my second walk for the night. I'll wake up in the morning. I will work out in the morning, and then I will be going to a soccer tournament uh, a couple hours away from here. So... Sleep is first. I go to bed at the same time, mm -hmm. roughly between 10, 11 o'clock at night, mm -hmm. and I'm up at 5 in the morning. I keep that routine, and I have crazy energy, and I don't drink coffee. So sleep. Next thing is working out. For me, working out is important. I'm not saying it's crucial for everybody, but it is for me mentally. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I love a great workout. Today was fantastic at my gym. It was lower body day. It was it knocked me out good. But I work out every day of the week, every single day. And with the seventy five mm-hmm. hard program, for anyone that's aware of it, it's you know it's working out twice a day. Mm-hmm. But that's keeping me controlled. It's cutting out the BS that's that you get hit with every day from mm-hmm. every point of view, and because you don't have time for that kind of BS when mm-hmm. you're under this kind of program. So it's keeping me in line. And then eating. Uh, eating is a really important part. I've, uh, I've actually done a food sensitivity test. Mm-hmm. It is a blood test. Uh, there's a couple different versions. There's an oral mm-hmm. swab, hair follicle, or a blood test. I suggest a blood test if anyone goes down this route. It'll tell you what kind of food you're sensitive to, not sensitive to, and when you're not sensitive to a food, your body will process it better. Since a lot of people attribute egg whites as being healthy. My body does not process egg white. Or I'll give you the biggest extreme one that I'm having a difficult time with right now is almonds. Almonds are supposed to be really healthy for you. That is by far the worst food for me. So I've had to take it out of my diet now mm-hmm. for the second round of 75 hard and just not eat almonds. And it's tough because I found some good ones. So that's that's the thing. I think when it all boils down to what I, I guess what I'm getting at is schedule. Having a schedule is really important so that you're not clouding your mind with garbage. Mm-hmm. When you don't have time to let the garbage in, the garbage won't eat your mind. Mm-hmm. And I think that's super important of, of anything. And then I'd say secondly is setting goals. Where do you want to be in a couple of years? It's not just an interview question. Here, you can see it right behind me. This one's empty, of course, but that is actually a vision board. So what I did was these vision boards exist in both offices of ours, and my bigger collection is up at the lobby. So when people come to work here, I take it off the wall and I hand it to them. I say, hey, put your goals. Like, what do you want? It can be material. It could be something emotional. It could be whatever it is. Put it on there. Make it big. Mm-hmm. Just know what you're striving for. Know what you're working for. Again, keep the BS from entering your mind mm-hmm. and focus. And then I intentionally have the vision boards in the lobby when you walk in and walk out, even if you use the restroom. Because every time you pass that lobby, you are seeing your vision, mm-hmm. and seeing your why. Why am I doing this? And I think that's really important. And my vision board is equally up there. It is up there. I, I don't have it here for nobody to see. I have it for me to see and for everybody to see so that I can see theirs too. I want to know what they're striving for so I can help them. Mm. Um, I would love to see a snapshot of that if you get a chance. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. It's, it's keeping the structure, having goals, and just not allowing the BS to enter. Mm. Something you had said had resonated with me. I'm trying to play back in my head. Oh, when you were talking about food sensitivities, Definitely the species. You went back 20 years ago, gluten intolerance. What is that? Type two diabetes, very rare, 1%, maybe 2% of population. So that ties into this whole thing about we have access to food with a click on an app. A lot of these foods are processed and high in sugar. So if you look at any research on not necessarily plant-based eating, but eating clean as best as you can, and then doing, as you mentioned, getting a food sensitivity test done goes back to that whole idea of being your own experiment. Just what a person or a doctor or a nutritionist tells you, yeah, there's merit to that. But until you 
learn your biology and what you are composed of and what works for you, your DNA, your blood type, regardless of what anyone else says, that is super, super key. So I really hope people take um, heart to what you mentioned there, Matt. I think that's really important because there's so much, again, misinformation about what healthy is. And while what's healthy for me, like I love almonds, I eat them every day, certainly your body's going to respond differently. And then with something that you really enjoy, like for me, like my mom's homemade meatballs and spaghetti, I don't eat meat very rarely. But when I go home, I engage because there's love and meal and like a lot of emotions with that meal and I don't want to miss out. So I enjoy it. And then, you know, my body has a reaction. I'm like, okay, (laughs) but it was worth it. But you have to make those decisions. Was that really worth it in the moment? Absolutely. But as long as it's not something that's becoming a daily occurrence where you know that your body doesn't respond very well to whatever this stressor is, like limiting those stressors um, is really super important. And, you know, I know Bruce is a huge fan of the vision board, vision board. I am as well. One of the things that I usually like to tell folks is if they have a goal that really seems so far out is write it on a sticky note or somewhere and put it where you see it first thing in the morning when you get up or when I'm working with people that are trying to make some nutritional habits, we put things on the refrigerator. (laughs) So, and in the refrigerator, but those little signals, your thoughts come and go so fast. So in the moment when you're thinking, oh, I want this, this chocolate cake because I'm craving chocolate. If you just sit with it for a minute, notice that you're having that response, that physical response where you're wanting this, desiring this, it's going to change pretty quickly. Just stopping our thoughts or changing our thoughts or reframing our thoughts or thinking again, oh, is that person, you know, one year from now really going to be that goal that I have for myself one year from now? If I keep making these excuses, I'm never going to reach that goal. So that that's just that um you know the vision board it's while the concept is not new to me at all um <laughs> it's new to me to deploy it you know people in my past they've had it and it, you know it's amazing the visions they put on there um and again you know they a lot of them a lot of the friends that i have they tend to be materialistic but there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that mm-hmm. you know it, people don't need to feel ashamed because they want a big boat but it helps keep the mind focused keep the mind busy on task because you do want to achieve that vision. I had a, a few employees here. They wanted to, one of them wanted to create a podcast. Great. Let's, let's help you do it. What does that mm-hmm. look like? You know, you know, cause it, it's not expensive. You need a microphone, computer and et cetera. But what, what's the topic? What does it look like? Let, let's mm-hmm. shape that. Let's form that. And you know, that's a great vision to have. Hmm. I like that. Something you said there resonated again with me. So you're talking about the person that, Maybe you want a Jeep or a truck or, you know, a vacation, extended vacation somewhere. I think in the workplace, it's important to remember those goals because that's why we're doing the job. We're showing up because obviously there's a financial need there so that we can experience whatever it is that is meaningful to us. So say you're a person that, you know, maybe you don't care about those things and you just like having time off, make sure that you're working for a company where they have a pretty decent PTO policy. I hear that a lot with folks like not necessarily after the money, but that me time is really important. So I had someone, excuse me, come to me, not not at Global Trans where I work, but had mentioned that they were seeking um, a change, a career change. And 
and the hours involved in the job, and this is a person a little bit older, just wasn't conducive to their health and well-being. So, so money was not the priority. It was making sure that they had time to do other things, hiking, camping, fishing, those things that don't really cost a lot, but they require that time investment. So I think that's important for people to remember when you're creating that vision board. Are you setting your life up in a way that's going to cater to whatever that vision is? Because if you're in a position that doesn't allow for that, whatever that is, or provide for that, it's just going to take you a long time to reach it. If you ever reach it, and you're going to be pretty stressed out, I think, um, in the process. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, go back to the, the PTO. Uh, it is actually amazing. I've been hearing more studies that I don't have any the actual percentages, but, P, you know, people want PTO. Mm-hmm. And that's what they, you know, sometimes that is the biggest benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, it may not be necessarily health insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Or when we come to the idea of awards, rewards for goal setting, goal making within a company, not so much mm-hmm. a vision board, mm-hmm. PTO is a great prize. In fact, mm-hmm. this year, this past January, we, we joke, it started off as a joke, well, our Christmas party is in January, the company Christmas party. and. You know, truth be told, the reason was initially we just have to schedule one, <laughs> and it's like, whoa, we should have we have employees now. We because so this company is a partnership. So me and my partner are like, we should we should like have a Christmas party, shouldn't we? We have employees now. It's not just our wives, you know, go to dinner. So we did it in January, but then a comment was made by one of the employees who was married, and he's like, you know, this is great that it's in January. Because now we don't have to deal with juggling family obligations mm-hmm. and spouse obligation to their company Christmas party. Uh-huh. And I'm like, yeah, that's why we do this. Yeah, that, <laughs> so, so now it's the, so the running, you know, the, the thing is we always have it in January. It is mm-hmm. intentional, mm-hmm. purposeful, we'll never change it. But this year we gave out PTO and you would not believe. We, we had a ticket system in December we ran a contest and every employee was involved. They all had metrics and mm-hmm. they got tickets based on the metrics they hit. Then they could put those tickets in a, in bags and win. I mean, we gave away a laptop, a 65 inch TV, but nothing filled the bag more than the idea that they could get five extra PTO days in the year 2022. Wow, that's... It, it was telling. Yeah. I think that COVID has definitely showcased the need for that need to step away and reset, unplug, be connected with nature and just kind of be without doing. And I think that for employers out there, if you're surveying your team and and this is what they're saying to you, we value PTO. It's, it's up to you to culturally um, and as leaders to support that if, if you want to retain your employees. Because if not, there are plenty of people out there that are noticing. I mean, even we have mental health days now. You know, in different countries, you can get a prescription from a doctor for being out in nature, a nature prescription. And that is time away from the office for two weeks, sometimes even a month. But I think having those conversations, going back kind of full circle to what we were talking about, understanding as an individual what health means to us today, reevaluating, being aware of our behaviors in the health realm and communicating our needs to our employer is super important because they can't read our minds. So if we're not speaking up for ourselves, 
And I think now more people are more willing to do that, to tap into those waters. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so I think it's important to say that it's up to you, too, to voice what your needs are because no one else can hear what's going on inside of your head. Yes. Okay. I think it's, it, it's very important to, to voice if something is going on. It's important yeah. to say something. And, you know, as, a, as an employer, you know, you should have that suggestion box, that anonymous mm. box, even if somebody wants mm-hmm. to voice something. And then you can kind of identify and see if you can pinpoint who, maybe who that is and have open that discussion, mm-hmm. welcoming in it, because there is a lot of stress and it's not going to change. And especially in our industry, as you know, it, it, you, can't, you can't bottle it up forever find your outlet. And if you can't find it yourself, reach out to someone that can help. There's plenty of people that can, but it starts with asking. I mean, and that's, I guess that's one thing to kind of bring it together, right? I mean, it starts with that one step. If you don't start, if Mm. you don't do that one squat you mentioned earlier, that's, it's all starts with that one thing, that one step, whatever that step looks like. If it's reaching out to somebody, if it's doing a squat, if it's not going to McDonald's on your lunch break and instead of bringing a chicken breast and, uh, you know, a pound of broccoli, which is what I eat every day. <laughs> you know, that one step is where it needs to start. Yeah, and I think that the more that we're aware of how important these little steps are in life and we pay attention to how we feel, how we function, how we interact with each other, how we're more joyful, how we have more happiness in our lives, I think that will help our industry and... For men especially, because I'm going to be a supporter of men here, like society puts a lot on your shoulders, you know, and you're taught to suppress a lot of things. You're taught to carry the weight of the family and to keep pushing forward and depending on your childhood experiences and the values and and how you've grown up and different influences on your life. Like sometimes you feel embarrassed or ashamed or less worthy or what's wrong with me? I'm not feeling so great. And feel uncomfortable and not trusting of voicing your needs to someone because maybe that just wasn't your experience growing up. So I really hope that men out there have those conversations and not judge yourself. I know that you are worthy of living in a way that supports your health and well-being, whatever that looks like for you. No, I mean, absolutely. And and I will say, you know, complimenting back to the women, you know, I think about my wife who she stays, she's at home. Our kids are a little older, but she's got to run the entire household. So, you know, me as, you know, the provider, I kind of look at it as regardless of sex, but I've got the weight of the financial responsibility to make sure that there is a house for her to tend to and, and handle. So it can be stressful. But then as a business owner, I look at all the families. There are many families at this company that are dependent on this job. Mm-hmm. And while, yes, of course, in this current climate, they could find another place to work, that's stressful to have to go through that process. You know, we do carry a lot of weight, but I mean, I, I think we all do. I think mm-hmm. it, as efficient that people try to make society these days, they're just adding so much more stress. You said when we first started, what we had to deal with 100 years ago pales in comparison to what we have to do today just to live our lifestyles. The amount of stress on the mind has compounded along with Mm -hmm. the change. 
of society. So taking it back to our listeners out there with the podcast, we always leave with an action item, something for our folks to think about and reflect about, and then maybe dip their toe into making maybe a, a change that will help support their energy so that they can be productive and live more mindfully and experience joy or what have you. What would you like to suggest? I know I didn't give you a heads up on this, but... I'm going to say I thought about this, uh, you know, because I, I thought about the topic that we were going to discuss today and everything, I would say one of two things. One, if you already have a rough idea, but you're afraid to take that step, take that step, whatever that is. I'm not even talking about anything specific. Take okay. that first step. Put a lot of weight into sleep, a lot. I believe I've cured my sleep apnea because I started sleeping better and it just, everything compounded with the weight loss. I don't believe I snore still. You'd have to ask my wife, but um, I think my snoring has kind of subsided. But I would say if you need a place to start, look at your sleep. Next Friday comes around. Next Saturday comes around. Are you going to the bar? Are you staying up late watching TV? Or are you going to go to bed at the same time you would as if you had to wake up for work the next mm -hmm. morning? Keep the cycle. I think from there, other things will unfold and mm -hmm. present themselves. But I, I really put a lot of weight on the sleep mm -hmm. and proper sleep. Consistency. I like that. I totally agree. All right, folks, the challenge is out there. <laughs> Prioritize your sleep and then notice how much better you feel. And then if something is really on your mind that you want to pursue, as Matt alluded to, take that first step, no matter how small. And then notice, notice how you feel and how it changes the whole rest of your day. Absolutely. Thanks, Matt. So action item for you, I would like a shot of your vision board. <laughs> Please yes. send that to me. I'm going to post 100%. it. I will and do then, that after uh, we're done. Well, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Rhonda, thanks for having um, me on. Take care. Bye-bye. That wraps up this episode of Work Life 360. Make sure you check out all the other episodes and the show notes for links to any articles, resources, or for more information about guest reference on the episode. I appreciate your time and I ask you to send any feedback to worklife 360 podcast at gmail.com. Special thanks to Freight 360 for your continued support.